When you don't draw iron. Simmons, an open three. Air ball. They just don't have any touch. This is Broken Jumper, a weekly NBA podcast hosted by the voice of AM570 LA Sports, Bob Schmidt. Me, Bob Schmidt. What a narcissistic buffoon he is. Like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And now, is this basketball? Broken Jumper. Welcome to Broken Jumper, an NBA podcast hosted by me, Bob Schmidt, the voice of Fox Sports Radio. And today, I, well, first of all, I guess I should address my extended absence. I'm a piece of shit. That's the long and short. And I uh, leaned into my Cavs podcast, Fear the Fro. But now that the Cavs are on the brink of potentially being eliminated from the playoffs, what better time to look at this upcoming NBA playoffs, hit some of the awards, some of the things I wanted to put on paper, so to speak, then right now, and I'm doing it with two of my good friends, the FNA Podcast. So joining me in studio from the FNA Podcast, Kevin Figures and Adam Moslin on uh, on this return of the Broken Jumper Podcast. It's been it's been quite some time since I've I've been joined by you guys on my podcast, uh, and I wanted to do it because well, what better time to do the uh, Second podcast of the season, then the final end of the season, or whatever the case might be. I'm sorry, this is the second podcast. No, no, no. I'm exaggerating a bit, but there certainly was a gigantic hiatus while I went all Cavalier content all the time. Hey, you know, it's unexpected. The Cavaliers were actually good this year, so I mean, you had a lot of content to talk about. It was good. Yeah, well, it uh, it wanes. The season wasn't was over the by January 13th for once, you know? No. However, it could be over tomorrow, because yeah, we're well, doing this there's... on the eve of the final play-in games, both Adam and I in the same boat here with our teams facing elimination. Yeah. Uh, yep. Kind of unexpected. Yeah. At I, least from the Clipper side. <laughs> I think I I think you would I think it'd be easy to say it was unexpected. I remember around All-Star break I was like, well, okay, maybe the Raptors catch them. Yep. I was open to that possibility, but I certainly didn't think they would slide all the way back behind the Nets and then find themselves in a situation where they were playing the final playing game. Yeah. You guys, well, you guys almost came back on them. Yeah. I mean, it's also unfortunate. You had some injuries. Mobley had been in and out. Jared Allen obviously is the huge loss who's been out for a long period of time. And so that's why they find themselves in the position they're in when they were comfortably in the playoffs, you know, even like a month and a half ago. And they just kind of hit the skids down the stretch. It's hard when guys can't stay healthy. I get it. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, and and to to close out the season and have to face team. Now, fortunately, the Bucks rested everyone because they, right. they could have found themselves in the 9-10 game. That played that was played last night had they not coasted to victory in that final game of the season. But now they're in this situation where before we get into the playoff stuff, how do you guys feel about the two remaining games, the Clippers, Pelicans, and the Cavs, Hawks? Do you have strong feelings one way or another as to who you think will advance? <laughs> There's this one gif from uh, Mad Men. Not great, Bob. Uh, <laughs> no, I feel okay about it because the Clippers are back home and they should have won that game in Minnesota. They were up by 10 with 10 minutes left and they lost it when Carl Anthony Towns left. It's unbelievable. That's the weird part about it. They got outscored 23 wow. to 9 after he fouled out. Wow. And they weren't prepared for non-Carl Anthony yeah. Towns minutes. Their whole strategy was shutting him down, which they did. He started off 0 of 7 from the field. But the Pelicans have had their number the last two years. They lost five in a row before they beat them by 30. It was ended up being 19 about a week and a half ago at Staples. Yeah. And now it's like the Clippers have kind of been in a house money situation all season long with their roster and the injuries and all that and the all-for-one mentality. I feel like the Pelicans are kind of in that situation now. It's kind of flipped. You know, there's no pressure on them whatsoever at this point in time. They're just happy to be here without Zion playing. So 
they, I mean, the Clippers are the ones who are expected to get this win on Friday, there, not the Pelicans. There is a certain amount of freedom that comes with, you know, playing in a market where the Lakers are imploding for, and, and the Clippers case. And then with the Pelicans to have all that drama going on off the court yeah. with Zion and with the midseason trade and all of that stuff, it kind of, it does make it just feel like, well, it's house money and everybody's going to come away happy regardless of who loses. Because the Clippers, even if, Obviously, the ideal situation is you don't want them to lose tomorrow night. But Clippers fans do not feel like it's house money right now. I'm telling you this. Okay, if they lost, it would be quite disappointing. It's because they be had a lot of momentum. Though. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like nobody wants to. I'll be crushed if the Cavs don't make the playoffs. But I'll still have to step back and look at it at the, when when I have some time to separate myself from the whole thing. If they fall to the Hawks again, and then they get knocked out of the playoffs. I think with time, I'll be able to look at it like, and if I'm a Clippers fan, I'd be able to look at, you know, what Rocco did towards the end of the season. The fact that Norm's back, the fact that Paul George is back, the fact that they played so well, even without those guys for huge stretches of the season, feeling pretty good about where they're sitting. You encapsulate the entire season. I know, you know, Paul George missed as much time as he missed, and you had the expectation that he would be here going into the area like, hey, if the Clippers are healthy, you know, obviously sans Kawhi Leonard. They could probably complete for a six to eight seat. They're competing for a six to eight seat without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I think if you do take kind of a, a step back from like a hundred foot lens and, and at the end of the day and they don't make it, unfortunately, you can still say all things considered, it wasn't a terrible year. There's certainly that, but they won six of seven coming into the play in and they were being talked about as nobody wants to see this Clippers team. Yeah. They got Paul George back. Norman Powell's there now. And if they can get deeper into the playoffs, could Kawhi Leonard come back? Could they do the impossible and be an eighth seed or a seventh seed to come out of the West and maybe win the entire thing if things fell their way? That that was the hope. Extending your season and eventually getting Kawhi Leonard back. So, look, if they lost tomorrow night and if they, it's to the Pelicans, a team that has been a thorn in their side, it would sting. I, yeah. It would be bad. It would especially sting if you lost to a, to a Pelican team who, again, is fighting and they're gritty and grind. But the Clippers are a better team than they are. They should win. They are. The Clippers are in a position maybe for the only time this season where you say the Clippers should win this game. Not to mention they get beat by Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns having that bad of a game with yeah. Patrick Beverly talking all that junk afterwards. Right. And, that's Pat Bev. I've, God yeah, bless him. That's what he's always done. To the victor go the spoils. Yeah. And he got fined $30,000 by the NBA earlier today. To the NBA go yeah. the spoils. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, would, it would be a rough way. It would leave a sour taste, I think, in everyone's mouth. Because regardless of the circumstances and the context, this would be year three with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George technically on the roster. And they haven't won the championship yet. Yeah. And that's tough, but the West is, I mean, even just looking at that play-in game, the West is so good, top yeah. to bottom. I, I, I thought that the Clippers, obviously, when they went into the fourth quarter, I'm like, okay, the Clippers are going to hold on here. It felt They're like they win. had all the momentum. But going into the game before it even started, I definitely wasn't supremely confident that the Clippers were going to win it. They I were favored. That, yeah, the, the Timberwolves are, that's a good team. They are, yeah. I, I I thought the Clippers were going to win that game, but it's one of those I wouldn't have been surprised. I certainly wasn't shocked that they lost. You know, I wasn't surprised that they lost. I thought it can go either way. It's just the way it happened. Correct. For them to be the team that gives up a lead up by 10 when they typically come back on teams and for them to go that ice cold where they went seven minutes without a field goal in the second quarter. They went five minutes with just one made field goal in the fourth quarter. 
And it's happened at times this season, but with Paul George back, and he actually was fantastic in the second half, finished with 34 points, you got the best player on the court. Uh, you should probably win that game. You got game. the worst player on the court, Marcus Morris. Oh, <laughs> I, I, okay, I will say there was one moment that I was very upset about during the game that had nothing to do with the actual outcome of the game, and that was when they rescinded the second technical oh, I thought of you. <laughs> and and they're like, well, yeah, Pat Bev was instigating. I'm like, he absolutely was instigating. But there were some rib shots there from Mook in response. Yeah. And quite frankly, uh, how many times have we heard growing up over the course of our life that it's, you know, it's not the person. It's always the person that reacts. That's right. That's the one that's penalized. And in that case, it wasn't. It was the guy that instigated. And it sh and I wish it was yeah, both. Well, when there's replay in life like that, things can change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of crying that people actually listen to. <laughs> Meanwhile, J.B. Bickerstaff can bitch and moan about calls all day long, and he'll never get them. So, Didn't you also uh, say he never challenges calls either? He doesn't challenge them until it's pointless. Like, he challenged, <laughs> Seems you like know, a good strategy. They, they played the Sixers less than a week from the end of the regular season. It was a big game at that point because they were desperately trying to stay out of the play-in. Right. And you got... It's frustrating always seeing those NBA two-minute reports and having it confirmed because I'm a blatant homer. Sure, there's times where I'm like, that's a foul, and nobody else would probably agree with me. But in this case, on back-to-back -back possessions, you got Garland getting fouled by Embiid, and then you got Harden just throwing, marking it out of the way to get an inbound. And in both situations, it didn't go the Cavs' way, and then they lose the game by free throws at the end. And the next day, you know, the NBA comes out and says those things, and those are, those are the moments where I'm like, okay, Challenge something in the moment, like right. don't don't it blow. Carry it, over. He got it fine. Roll over. He got fine in the post game. Yeah, it. it's like that's great. You stood up for your team when absolutely there's no chance of anything changing. But there are moments in the game where I'm like, for as much as I I don't think Bickerstaff is very well liked amongst refs, and I don't blame him because he is always yelling at him. But then again, oh. you know we we don't exactly have the kind of star cachet yet to to find ourselves on the right side of some of the 50-50 calls. So. He's always yelling at them because they're always getting screwed. Wow. That's right. Well, the problem Welcome is, the fear now the, the teams that they're facing that they need, the, the Cavs going into this Hawks game, Trey Young is going to the line at least 10 times right. tomorrow night. So those are games where, you know, officiating even the late season Nets game, to have those superstars who can get to the line in the third and fourth. Because what you're saying with the Clippers here is, you know, blowing the 10-point lead, that's typically... The Cavs find themselves in the situation lately that the Timberwolves were, where they stage a big comeback, except that they don't see it all the way through. Mm -hmm. They'll get it tied, or they'll get within a couple, and then they'll just run out of gas. Run out of gas. And that's kind of been the MO for the end of the season. Now, do you guys feel, I I'm telling you, even as a Cavs fan, I don't expect them to win tomorrow night. Now, maybe I would feel differently if Allen comes back, but I'm not supremely confident that that's going to happen. Uh, are, do either of you guys expect to see the Cavs beat the Hawks? I don't expect them to win, but again, I can see them winning. But to your point, how Trey Young, and I've said this going into the play-in, the play-in is almost specifically built for someone like Trey. who can kill you in one game. It's a one-game in. It's an NCAA tournament type of uh, format. He had a great game the other night. He can do it again on uh, t tomorrow night. So Kevin Herter could also kill you. Yeah, Red Velvet. He was fantastic yeah, in that first quarter. He, if I was a if I was a Hawks fan, he would be the most frustrating player to watch on a night in night out basis. But he, maybe this is he hurt maybe you he's in, the, in a good way and a bad way. The Reggie Jackson type. Uh, hey, it's playoff time now. We get you know peak Herter. Hey, yeah. Did you guys see the video last year? Because remember when they were in that second round, they come back against the Doc Rivers team in the Philadelphia 76ers. They win in Game Seven. Trey Young was awful in Game 7. Yeah, he Kevin was. Kevin Herter had 27 points. I think his career high. 
someone made a video, a hype video, and it starts with the Welcome to Atlanta song, you know, Jermaine Dupri, Ludacris, and it's showing like, <coughs> it's showing uh, Trey Young highlights. And then it goes into uh, Rick Astley, never going to give you up. And, it, and it's <laughs> Kevin Herter because he was the one who ended up doing everything. You get Rick rolled in the video. It's amazing. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, that is, I mean, that's definitely a team getting hot at the right time. They've, yeah. they've been playing top five offense over the course of, mm -hmm. you know, this calendar year. And even though the Hornets came in very hot offensively, defensively, those teams couldn't have looked any different. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte was just abysmal. Um, the now, Hornets' flaws just got exposed. Like, they don't play enough defense. Montrez Harrell's getting picked on. Like, they just lean into offense yeah. and they're flashy, and yeah. that's the, who they are. Their backcourt and bridges go, and as that, that's how the team goes. They score a lot of points. That's how they win. That's a tough matchup, too. To You know, you can you can hide bridges as a small ball five against a lot of teams, probably. Yeah, but for well, 82, yes, you the can. The Hawks are not going to be one of the teams that you want to go in with. And that's what concerns me most in terms of if Allen's not back, good luck. Yeah. You know, they Mobley's good, but he's not. He doesn't have the weight to kind of sustain it. Anyway, some of those no look passes from Trey Young last night also were uh, extremely impressive. Yeah. yeah, he's he worries me. I mean, these last two games against the Cavs, he's averaging over thirty and nine, and he's doing it on almost fifty five percent from the floor. So they are completely different on the road, though. They're like nine games under five hundred or something like that on the road this season. I think they won like eighteen of their last twenty at home, and they were at home yesterday against Charlotte. Maybe that's in your, in your favor. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but I'm not. I'm not that supremely confident here. Now, in terms of looking at the bigger picture of the playoffs, regardless of which team makes it in to face the Suns or to face the Heat, do you guys have any? Are you expecting any upsets? And I'm not talking about like conventionally, like Vegas wise. Uh, the one I think that stood out to me the most was the Jazz are favorites, but I could see the Mavericks uh, winning that series. I think they will if Luke is healthy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably the big thing shifting the the lines at the moment is the unknown of it. But. The hard part for me is when you get into a seven-game series with the Mavericks, I, we see this story about the last couple of years. The way to it now it's easier said than done, but the way to do it, let Luka do his thing and let everybody else, you know, and, and, and lock down everybody else, you know. If Luca goes for 50, great. Just don't have him go for 38 and 15 assists. You know, and I think it's, it's, he becomes easier to defend or they become easier to defend as a team. And Utah, when they're right, and they haven't been recently, but when they're right, are one of the better defensive teams in the NBA, which is why I would lean in more towards Utah if I had to make a pick in that series. I, I would take Utah over Dallas because I just think Dallas becomes easier to defend in a seven-game series. I don't know the status of Luca. I would take them if he's 90% or 85% just because Dallas this season defensively is so much better than they've been in the past. And they spread things out even more now because they don't have Chris Stapps. And actually, Spencer Didwitty has been awesome for them. <laughs> like His shooting percentages have gone way up since he went to Dallas. Change the scenery. Well, that's what's got me wondering in the sense of, obviously, with the Clippers and the Jazz, like you see the kind of the way that teams approach trying to beat them in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. and. The Mavericks do have some of those types of pieces with yeah. with Kleber and like those the other guys that can space the floor. Finney Smith is a respectable three point shooter, like guys that can pull him away from the rim more. But and to be able to go that three guard lineup, if you want to count Luca as a, a guard here, absolutely for all intents and purposes. But that seems like a team that could definitely take out the Jazz. I could see it. The Jazz it, are but. teetering on imploding as a franchise. Like they're, I think they're going to have a huge sell off. They lose in the first round or if they get swept in the second round, I think the Jazz, that stuff that came out with Quinn Snyder, 
was damning. Him talking about, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert even break bread together sometimes. Like they they hate each they other. They obviously don't like the each video. Other. Does not lie. They freeze out Rudy Gobert all the time when he has mismatches in the post. They don't give him the ball. Well, and for guys that make that much money, Gobert specifically, if you find again and again that it doesn't work, you've got to move him while you can get some because yeah. you're on that precipice of. People will stop to stop viewing it as a well. This is mostly worth what he's. Yeah, he's a little bit overpaid too. Like I don't want to have a team that's focused around a guy who's proven again and again that he can be game planned out in the playoffs. So if that happens to him again, I mean the Clippers could have been a unique situation. Obviously that one about is poorly. You're not going to get you know a, a forty point game from a guy that's a you know well, it, relative unknown. Yeah, Terrence Mann going off yeah. on him. The Clippers are so unique in that they're so versatile. Like they're the perfect team to play Rudy Gobert off the floor. Not everybody can do that. Uh, but still, we mentioned Chris Dapps Porzingis. Like eventually they moved on from him. Like that tandem wasn't working. This tandem isn't working. If they don't make a run this year, if they don't get at least, I think, to the Western Conference Finals, and I think they're blown. And around. I think the three of us are all confident in saying that ain't happening. Yeah. Barring some major injury along the way from other teams or something, that's not they happening. They get the Phoenix Suns treatment? Yeah, basically. <laughs> now, I assume if you're blowing up the Jazz, you're getting rid of the big man or or you're moving Mitchell. What would be the... Do you get the most for? I, right. I could see either. You probably get more for Donovan Mitchell, I would think, just knowing how the league is going. But do you want to keep Mitchell as your building block and try to trade away Gobert and bring in other, you know, ancillary pieces and build around Donovan Mitchell as your guy? If if it were me, that's what I would do. I Even though knowing a, I can get a bigger haul for Mitchell, Mitchell when he's healthy is is a is a top twenty five player in the league that I'd rather build around and try to ship off Gobert and just reshape the way my team is formulated around him. That's the right move. I could still see if if Quinn Snyder leaves too, they just go Blow complete the entire thing. And maybe Donovan Mitchell is the last person left. You know, maybe they do that. He's I find Fresh it hard. Prince last episode. Yeah, I find it hard to believe that they will sell him off unless somebody knocks their socks off just because we know how good he is and can be when he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, if you're obviously it's tough to predict what's going to happen in the summer. But if you're going to move a guy as young and good as Mitchell, there has to be pieces out there being shopped that aren't. Russell Westbrook, John Wall. Yes. Like these terrible. You, you need some teams that are willing to move some young I promise guys in exchange for that star. And it's hard to say right now until we see what happens in the playoffs, who's going to be those teams in that situation where they're like, well, we're okay, but we're, this is not going to get it done. Yeah. We got to make some moves. Or yeah. if there was a kid that you like enough in the lottery and try to get a lottery team to try to trade Mitchell and, and go a full on rebuild that way. I think that will be the only way you do it. I, I think they, they found their ceiling. Like last year was their chance. They yeah. were the number one overall seed. And the Clippers took him out winning four straight after being down 2-0 without Kawhi Leonard in the last two games. Right. I, that, to me, said everything. And they've given up 25-point leads again recently to the Clippers. They gave up a 25-point lead, a 21-point lead to the Golden State Warriors. And Donovan Mitchell afterwards, same, same old shit mm-hmm. afterwards. like it, And it is. He's not wrong. So then, assuming the, the other matchups in the West, I got, Golden State, I got Denver, one. What? I think I think Denver can beat Golden State. I'm with you on that. Well, I mean, again, I guess it depends largely on Steph's also health. Also, Steph and, and how healthy he is. I but think even but if he even is healthy, there. if it takes them a little bit to kind of reintegrate everything and get cohesive, right. I could if the Nuggets can jump on it early. Yeah. Then I could definitely see them winning. Yeah, it would not surprise me whatsoever because they don't have anybody that can match up. A few people do with the Joker, you know, and the way the pieces have been playing around him this season. Uh, have been amazing too, despite the fact they don't have Jamal Murray and Porter. 
Uh, those guys have really stepped up and played well. So it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. He's not someone, and Golden State loves to go small, and they're another team that can that can uh, run Rudy Gobert off the floor, but Joker's different. He's yeah. a completely different animal. Yeah, I, I'm they still... Can, yeah, they can stay big with Gordon because Gordon can switch and has versatility to be able to defend four positions if you really need him to. So they, they're not going to take him off the floor either. He's a big factor of what they do too. Golden State's going to need either um, Kaminga, who I really like. Mm. I, I think he has superstar potential. Or Poole to have like a big series or to have a big playoff run if they're going to get out of the West. Like one of those guys is really going to have to emerge. And obviously Poole's been playing great recently. Yeah. Where do you guys sit on Western Conference Finals? Who do, who do you think? I mean, we're talking about some of these first-round series, but let's just cut ahead. Uh, who do you expect to make it deep into the Western playoffs here? Like, who would be your conference finalist? I think Phoenix is getting there unless the Clippers pull an upset. <laughs> the, the Phoenix is getting there. I'm not even going to put that sequitur on there. As much as I like the Clippers, and it'll be a great story. I don't see that happening. Uh, on the other side is interesting. Um, I still like Golden State. I'm assuming that uh, uh, Steph gets in there and he's healthy. And I do think if they do get some momentum under them, once they get rolling, you know, the championship DNA is still there and they're still a good enough team to make a deep run. Memphis is, a, is an interesting one. I know a lot of people, that's kind of like your upset special because nobody trusts Memphis. They have a lot of youth and not a lot of experience. They remind me, not quite, but a little bit of that Atlanta team, you know, that had Jeff Teague and Al Horford and all, the whole was greater than some of its parts, except they do have a superstar. Yeah. And so that can carry them. And so that's the thing that gets me with everybody's doubting them because they don't have experience. First of all, Minnesota didn't have experience either. So that's, um, that doesn't mean anything. So I, I see them getting past the Timberwolves, them against Golden State in the second round, which is what I see happening is going to be very interesting because I can see Memphis possibly beating Golden, the Golden State in the second round. Yeah, Memphis is dangerous because yeah. like, they don't even know how good they are yet. Yeah. And they're young. And speaking of playing with house money, for a team that talented, to, I think they are playing with house money to some extent because sure. they're oh, going to yeah. have a window. Even as here. a two seat, yeah. They have all these young guys. They're explosive, athletic, and they play well together. They know their it's roles, which is <laughs> weird for a team this young for all those guys to accept and know the roles that they play. To the, the accept the roles part, to that point, it, it blows my mind that you have Jaron Jackson Jr. in conversation for you know first team all defense. This is a guy who's only playing 27, 28 minutes a night. It's a deep squad that at times you're like they have talent they don't even need for huge stretches of the game. And the and the fact that they have weathered the storm so well with Morant out and still playing like an incredibly high level of winning basketball, it just makes you feel like this is a team that's going to come in supremely confident. I could I agree with you. I think our picks are basically the same, Kevin, in the sense that. I do believe Denver could beat the the Warriors, but until I see negative information on Steph and the fact that like oh he's just not going to come back, I'm still leaning Warriors, Memphis. I think Memphis will end up being in the Western Conference Finals. Okay. I don't think it's smoke and mirrors just because I've seen enough of them play great against really good teams. You know the, That's the, the Warriors, too. the Boston, like yeah. all those teams, they've showed up during the regular season. So I don't see why I think that would be an aberration. There's only one thing I'd say to that. Like certain teams give maximum effort and can do that in the regular season, especially a team like Memphis because they're so young and they come at you in waves with their depth. Everyone gives maximum effort in the playoffs. Like things can look different there. Every possession is so much more meaningful. They're still great and if the brackets line up like that, they would take on Golden State in the second round. Correct. Yeah, they could beat them. So they could end up playing the Phoenix Suns in the Western Commerce Finals. Right. Memphis, 
who versus do you Phoenix. See, yeah, who do you see against? If, if uh, You said Phoenix. From the other side, do you have a strong? No, I, I, I like Memphis too, I guess, because I think Golden State could get taken out in the first round. I, I, and Memphis actually would match up well against uh, Denver get, if that did happen. True. Very true. Because well, they have a lot of looks J. on the inside. They can, yeah, Triple mm -hmm. J. And then if they want to go big, you know, they have Adams and even Brandon Clark, very serviceable. Mm -hmm. They've been, they're just such a deep squad. And even there, even between the, the leap that Bain made. Now, you brought up Poole earlier and Bain. We haven't really touched on that at all. Do you guys have strong feelings in terms of uh, award season? Where did you land on MVP? We talked about this a little on your, on the FNA podcast. Um, and, and as we left off there, I was in Jokic, the, yeah. the Jokic camp. I was in Embiid most of the season, right. but I kind of flipped up. Do, did anything change between the time we taped that and now in terms of where you guys fell? Uh, I'm on Jokic with the way he finished the season. Highest per ever, but just crazy numbers that he put up. And I, it was close enough to me that it could come down to the last five games, and I think Jokic was better. Yeah, and also taking like the advanced analytics and all that stuff out of it, but just from a basketball standpoint, for the Nuggets to be where they are as a sixth seed in a tough Western Conference, juxtapose that with, and Embiid had a great season individually and all that, but the 76ers probably, all things being equal, should have been better than a four seed. Yeah, Even with what are, ben their, Simmons what are being their records? Like, as we well, talk the, about the, them yeah, being the, the Sixers, seed, but the Sixers are better by three games, basically. They're the Sixers finish 51 and 31. And the Nuggets finished 48 and 34. But to, but to Kevin's point, I don't see a tangible difference there. Yeah. If, if I, you were to ask me who did more with less, my answer would be Denver. Same. Because uh, I think the competition is tougher for, for who the Nuggets have to face on a night-in, night-out basis. And I, I think the bottom of the East is much worse than Absolutely. the bottom of the West. Definitely. And that's the big difference to me. I'm not saying there's not quality Eastern Conference teams, but the real trash of the conference <laughs> is, is or of that you know, that yeah. half of the, the league is I, much worse. I'm I'm kind of in the same position I was to a certain degree this time last year. If Jokic won, great. I my vote will go to him. But if Embiid won it, ah, I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't I wouldn't trash my you know, my room and throw the you know yeah. trophy out the window like Jerry West on TV. You I'm know? an Embiid fan also. I love his trolling. When he posted the I went to my biggest haters funeral just to make sure he's dead <laughs> meme after Ben Simmons was <laughs> traded. When he posted that picture, I laughed so hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I've warmed to Embiid, but I also had him in fantasy this year, which no. softens things. That's what I need to do is I need to Get draft Marcus. Marcus Morris. <laughs> 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 so, so, okay. So uh, in the East, do you have favorites out there? Because as it sits now, whoever wins in this, this final game will take on, you know, between the Hawks and the, the Cavs will take on the Heat. I don't know that anyone here would pick against the Heat in that nope. scenario. As far as Philadelphia, Toronto, I think that one's going to be interesting. Very interesting. I, I think one of the interesting subplots is the whole thing about Thibel not being able to play. Yeah. In, in the road games, not that he's the most integral piece on the team or anything, but I guess I've been surprised between them and the Celtics to see these stories coming out so late in the year. It's like, man, you, you know, you couldn't even make it. Like Wiggins made it all of uh, one minute at media day yeah. before he shot himself in the foot, and these guys kept it quiet the whole season. The only reason it's coming out now is because Toronto managed to climb up into the playoff picture in the second half of the season. I, I think Toronto might have a better chance of taking out Philly than Denver does Golden State. I agree with that. Uh, I, I just think it's a terrible matchup yeah, for Philadelphia. And, and Nick Nurse is one of the best in-game and in-series adjusters ever. And he already, his teams defend Embiid historically really well. 
Going back to that uh, that epic seven game series they had a couple of years ago, and Kawhi hit that Plinko chip uh, game winner or whatever. So I might even go into it just right now when I haven't seen a game. Lean towards taking Toronto, to be honest. And James Harden, by the way, has not been good, especially no. in the last three and a half weeks or so, has been terrible. Efficiency-wise, uh, shooting from behind the three-point line, he's been awful. He's not, he's not playing well going into the playoffs right now. I could see the rope-a-dope uh, philosophy with Luka, which the Clippers have done, where let him get his, yeah. take out everybody else, and let him wear himself down, where... Luka ended up shooting 30% in fourth quarters last year against the Clippers. That was one of the big reasons they ended up finally winning that series in seven games. I could see Joel Embiid averaging 35 a game in this series, 35 and 15, but being ineffective at times late, and James Harden getting wrecked by their versatility on defense. I think it's, for me, it's going to depend on how the games are officiated. Because, There's that. you know, mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to go to the line 40 times when you have Harden and Embiid out there. Very true. And, and not only... Can you pile up the points that way? But it also spending that much time stopping the action mm-hmm. can kind of break up the momentum of things. Whereas, like, I like Toronto. I love their defensive versatility. I love their length. Um, and I do like the idea that, you know, they can hopefully key on just if Harden is just unpredictable. You know, right. if he if he plays like he has at times in in, you know, big moments, then I think they're in great shape. And Vegas seems to agree with with you guys in the sense that. Philly's only the slightest of favorites here. Really? Yeah. What, so what's the line? It's the Sixers are minus one ninety. Wow. Mm. So th- it, there's a lot of people who feel like Toronto and the fact that I mean they really played a strong second half of the season. They were, and Siakam I mean, went from missing the All Star game to probably making an All NBA team. Yeah. These were spectacular. And like Utah, it feels like Philly. It shouldn't be like this because they brought in James Harden right. to solidify things, to have that second star next to Joel Embiid. But there are so many murmurs already of Doc Rivers leaving. What happened last year with them blowing a lead in the second round? It uh, There could be a lot of changes for them. Like There's added pressure right. to the Philadelphia 76ers in this first round series that they really don't need. No, it's de- yeah, there's definitely it, it's well, it's definitely a lot. Anytime you bring Harden in and you. You blow up a situation for a guy who's as unstable as mm-hmm. as Harden seems and, and to be. And Doc kind of threw him under the bus already. Like he already gave him the Ben Simmons treatment in that post game presser, talking about Harden taking too many shots, and the other guys weren't getting up enough recently. That was in the last two weeks, right after he had said Harden needs to shoot more. Like it made no sense. <laughs> I'm Team Doc on those though. Like if 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 the coach or whoever is speaking truthful statements, at some point just. It's okay to accept criticism, and it doesn't mean you're a bad player. But if you critique a guy's decisions in the short term, if if Doc came into the press conference and was like, "James Harden is trash," you know, his whole family yeah. should be ashamed. <laughs> I think it also thing. depends on whether he was asked about it or whether he just unprompted brought it up too. Because I'm sure he had these conversations behind the scenes. Or at least I would hope that he had these conversations with James Harden behind the scenes. But yeah, I would prefer you probably not air your dirty laundry in front of in public if you can avoid it's it. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. And- Clippers fans have been saying this forever. Doc never takes responsibility. That that's what it looks like. He's always pushing the blame onto somebody else when things go wrong. Uh, he has a history of that, and I love Doc Rivers. He's one of my favorites. He's a great man. All that, but if they lose in the first round, he's gone. Yeah. So other half of the bracket, you got Milwaukee taking on Chicago. You have Brooklyn taking on Boston. Who do you guys think get out out of that foursome? I mean, I think we're probably all in the same boat. I think Milwaukee just rolls over. Agree. 
Yeah. Over if Chicago, Chicago was 100% healthy, I think we might be able to have a little bit of a conversation. But with them not being, I would take Milwaukee. Chicago going away. Going away. Went from like the little engine that could. I, I know that's a little bit of an exaggeration because they were talented, but a popular pick early on in the season. Like, can Chicago come out of the East? DeMar DeRozan's playing this well. Uh, all the moves they made have worked out, and I, I love the moves they made. But towards the end of the season, they get banged up. People have soured on them also because they don't beat good teams. There's right. something it, like 2 yeah. and 22 against yeah. the top eight seeds or the top eight teams in uh, both conferences. It feels almost identical to the Cavs to me in the yeah. sense that if, if you were to ask me what I think of the Bulls roster, there's even after they went through the injury issues with Caruso, to see Desunmu step up and mm-hmm. to see Javante Green come back, I, I still look at the pieces they have in place and I think, well, oh, this is a pretty good team, but the results just haven't been there right. in the second half of the season. And despite all the excitement they came into early on with the great defense and the long perimeter defenders, now it just feels like, okay, well, there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors there. Yeah. You know, you They've took faded. advantage of, they faded hard. Yeah. And now, and, and it doesn't help that they're playing a team who's battle tested. Right. Who yeah. could have really fought and they've had their injuries, but they've rested guys throughout the season too. Milwaukee has, if they really wanted to push for the top seat, they really could have. I feel like it was one of those they just chose not to because they know they didn't need it. It looked like they also might have been trying to avoid Brooklyn. Yeah. Angle themselves <laughs> properly the last week of the season. It's, yeah. it's understandable. What you should, what you, I'm smart. Path of least resistance. Smart strategy. You have to feel pretty good. Well, it's funny though, in the sense that Milwaukee sat everybody against the Cavs that last game of the season to, to draw the Bulls, but there was a, de- a de- definite benefit to being on the top half of the bracket, which they just couldn't get to, yeah. you know, because to be those two, three, the the Nets and the Bucks and the Celtics, like that's the tough side to be in. You got to yeah. feel pretty good if you're the Sixers or the Raptors being like, okay, I'd much rather take on the Heat than probably, and this is maybe just me, but I would rather face the Heat than any one of those three teams. Brooklyn, I'm on the fence about. Yeah, Brooklyn, I'm kind of iffy on, to be yeah, honest with but you. Boston, but between Boston and, and the Bucks, those two, to yeah. me, are the definitive favorites yeah. to end up in the finals from the East. Milwaukee isn't going to lose more than one game against Chicago. I think at max it goes five games. Yeah, I and think that's I a agree. pretty yeah. good boon to have a first-round matchup in the 3-6 and know you're not going to lose more than one game. Like right. They're going to be still well-rested heading into that what they would take on Boston or Brooklyn. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's going to be a dog fight. Yeah. I love that's probably if there's one series I'm most excited about. I mean, I'm saying this, I'll be excited if the Cavs get in. But like take that part out of it. One to watch just as a casual fan, the idea of Kyrie going back to Boston, right. the idea of a great defensive team taking on a team great with two of the team. best offensive players in the league. Like that to me is the most compelling from just a, a fan standpoint. In the Eastern Conference, at least. So with that being said, who you guys got? Boston. Same. Yeah. I wouldn't even be shocked if it goes the way that you're talking about with like a gentleman sweep. I think six games. I think Boston and six, it would be my my prediction. But um, I just think their defense is too good. I agree. And they're not lacking for offense. They, they may not be as elite as, you know, Durant and Kyrie. And the still. Nets are no longer, you know, when they had James Harden, and if all three of them were healthy, could overwhelm you offensively. I don't think they're good enough on a night-in, night-out basis to overwhelm, especially good, great defensive teams in the postseason every single night. I think the two of those guys can go off on a night and get you once or twice. 
But I don't know if they can beat Boston. I don't think they can beat Boston in a seven-game series the yeah, way they're built. I think Boston probably wins in six or seven. But obviously, I wouldn't be shocked if Brooklyn won because the reason I'm down on Brooklyn a little bit is you mentioned James Harden. He had the dribble drive and the penetration ability to get easy buckets and and to create uh, open looks on the outside from his ability to get into the paint. And sometimes, a lot of the time, KD and Kyrie both fall in love with jumpers to the point that it's a detriment to the team. That yeah. I will say these last few games, though, Durant has really turned into a playmaker. I mean, he's his assist numbers have gone up a few the last few games I've noticed. And even in this last game, Bruce Brown was probing, driving in, and throwing lobs over the top to Claxton. Now that's not going to happen. I mean, that was against the Cavs. Uh, You're you're not going to get that against Boston, presumably. But still, it feels like there's been a concerted effort for both Durant and Brown to pick up more playmaking in the absence of Hart. And 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 the weird storyline is that since Kyrie's come back and is playing in a game-in-game-out basis, he's been less efficient. Because when yeah. he was getting all those rest games, yeah. I mean, he was 60-point game, 45-point mm-hmm. game. Like, he had some absolute record breakers in there. And now you're wondering, okay, are you going to get the Kyrie we just saw against right. the Cavs, or are you going to get the Kyrie who was in the Eastern Conference Finals with the Celtics who just couldn't hit anything? It shows uh, you what the grind can do. That wear and tear just... Uh, the amount of energy it takes to get through an 82 game season when you're actually playing every game, it, now, it affects guys' numbers. Did you see Kerr's comments? Speaking of which, with the reducing the games, no, flopping, like he suggested, oh well, we should take 10 games off the schedule. Which I mean, I I did hear Adam Silver mention that. You know, he talks about his midseason tournament and like having the tournament will replace a few regular season games. How you do that with gate revenues and all that? How you reconcile that? I'm not really sure. That's the part that seems dangerous to me. Is if you're gonna chop games away from TV contracts and from the, just the schedule in general, somebody's going to have to take a pay cut. Right. And uh, good luck getting the players to be like, okay, well, yeah, we'll uh, cut 10% yeah, off right. uh, what we're... I, I heard Frank Isola with Dan Patrick this morning. He had an interesting concept of finding ways to incentivize guys to play more by saying you, can, you can't qualify for an all-NBA team if you play fewer than blank games. Right. Or if you, don't look, if you look at total points scored for a season as opposed to scoring average and using that as a baseline for... Uh, contract incentives, finding ways like that to incentivize guys to play more as opposed to playing less. And maybe something in that in that variety is probably more of a magic elixir than chopping games off the schedule. If we do How it with the, the scoring play? title, I don't know why we're not doing it with the All-NBA teams at this point. Yeah. yeah. Because, True. Because logically it's antiquated that, with the positions, too. Like, hey, it should be positionless. We've, I, I've been saying that for the last couple of years. This is a, this is a get-off-my-lawn rant, but like, <laughs> I, I found it super annoying that there was people who were going out of their way to try to get both Embiid and Jokic on. Now, I agree. The positions are antiquated. It shouldn't be a thing. You should just be able to pick the best five players. But we're all doing this by the same set of rules. And like to go out of your way to be like, well, I'm just going to list, I'm going to list Jokic as a forward because he deserves to be a first team All-NBA guy. Right. Or, or Embiid, whoever you want to say there. Like, yeah, I agree. He's one of the best five guys in the league this year. But what the hell is the point of the vote if we're not all going in judging guys the same way. I don't like that mentality of trying to find a way to, because I didn't love it in the all-star game either. Mm -hmm. The fact that we had, I I didn't love that DeRozan was a guard when he's not really a guard, Mm -hmm. but that was what he was on the ballot for. So we dealt with it and that's the way that it went. It should be the same way until 
they go ahead and they just remove these position designations. But maybe this puts the pressure on them to do that more with people dragging their feet and and trying to find loopholes, you know? Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, I think we all want that same end outcome, but uh, what was your first team All-NBA? Oh, shit. I, I haven't really thought Jokic about Jokic over Embiid or no? I, well, it has to be because I got Jokic to the MVP. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm curious to see is, is there any scenario in which Jokic would win MVP, but he doesn't make first team All-NBA? Because if, you know how it works with the voting, where if you split your votes between center and forward, it makes it harder to make it in either of them because they yeah. only count you towards the position where you receive the most votes. So there is a world in which if people yeah. decide that Jokic is the one who they're going to try to slide into forward alongside Embiid, that he could find himself as the second team center, but still win the MVP, which would be That's wild. insane. Has that ever happened before? Um, well, I think it has. It happened. What was it? it hap- I mean, I imagine it's going to happen this year to some degree with the guys who can split positions like DeRozan. Yeah. But there is an example. I can't think of what the modern day precedent was, but it definitely has come up. Um, now, I was going to say regarding Brooklyn, if they do win the series, I don't think it's going to be because of just Kyrie and KD and their brilliance. Like It can't be. Patty Mills is yeah. going to have to be the guy. And speaking of faded, after shooting like 43% from three the first three months and it looked like the perfect pickup, he's been shooting like 36% recently. Yeah, I don't know what happened. He definitely is. Well, I think part of it was Curry came into the fold and, it, and yeah. Curry was really the guy that kind of assumed his role. I, I'm and a Curry's big Bruce great, Brown but he gets fan. picked on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensively, and, well, and he's, he's a liability in the playoffs. Is, is especially, he, is he going to be back? Is he going to be healthy for any stretch? Do you guys know what I'm his not sure. status is? I haven't, I haven't seen anything on that. And do you think we see any Simmons at any point? <laughs> no, I doubt it. Honestly, I would probably, I would hope not. You're trying to integrate a guy who hasn't played literally all season long into a playoff situation where we know you're right. He'd rather not be mentally. So hey, you've had mental issues, quote unquote. Because that prompted you not to play, and in your breakdown last year, now all of a sudden we're going to bring you back in in the highest stakes situation possible. Makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So then, He's in the scared East, of the basket. Bucks is that your pick for yeah. the East? Yeah. Both of you guys. I'm still taking Milwaukee. It, yeah, it's the safest. There's just too many unknowns, and they have the easiest route. Okay. Um, I found it crazy that the, the third favorite to make it to the finals of, I mean, it was the Suns far and away, then the Bucks, and then the Nets. The Nets were had better odds than the the Celtics. I wonder if that's just the Kyrie KD effect and people are still kind of enthralled with that whole, you know, that situation. Yeah. I, I can see that. And look, the Nets, you know, if not, we say it all the time. If Kevin Durant's foot was a little bit smaller and he, it's a three and out of a two last year, they advance. So, I mean, the, the margin for them last year dealing with injuries and all that, they still could have made it. It's still so reasonable yeah. to expect them to just be amazing with Kyrie back for an entire series now. Yeah. I'm hoping we, if I, I predicted six, but I would be very happy if it went to seven in Boston and Kyrie just put up an absolute turd. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it will happen, but that would be the dream scenario for me. <laughs> and that, you know, Andre Drummond wins the game on like a <laughs> that would be that, yeah. that would be the, that would be the fallback. I suppose if the Nets have to win. I want it to be Andre Drummond just uh, absolutely destroying everyone, hitting a three-pointer to win. Banks that would, it in. That would be ideal. Okay, <laughs> so game. Uh, rookie of the year, where'd you guys land on that? What'd you have? Jalen Green made quite you the push. At bitch. the very end of the season, he was excellent. And he, I yeah. said I would take it. Cade's been great the last couple months. Well, it seems like the debate came down to those, like three guys. Uh, Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, or Evan Mobley. Yeah. 
I mean, Jalen Green made a push for first team all rookie, I think, right. but I don't think he's really in contention to win rookie of the year. All awards are difficult because it's an individual award wrapped in a team game. Right. Like and people, I want to people. Sorry, I was said people will give Barnes a nod because he's making an impact on a good team. And if yeah. you want it to be on his side, I am not. But that is the argument for him. See, it's, that he's it's so funny to see that team. flip so quickly when it was like in the first half of the season. It's like, well, look at what Evan Mobley did to the Cavs. And yeah. then, you know, a half season later, it's like, well, he's, he's, he's playing for a terrible team. I'm like, well, which is it? He helped them right. get better or yes, they got worse overall. But let's not talk about these teams like they're separated by, OK, Cade's team, brutal. But right. also his, his context of his situation is, is totally different. Correct. He, yeah. he has over a third. I mean, his usage. Do you guys realize Cade Cunningham has a higher usage than Darius Garland? Which is hmm. mind blowing when because when you watch the Cavs, it's Garland just has pick the ball and roll, in his hands all the time. Yeah. It's endless. And Cade Cunningham, that so his stats are the most impressive, obviously, but yeah. they should be. And his efficiency far and away the worst, as, as it probably should, be. should yeah. be, because he's going to get the focus of the defense at him. Mobley and Barnes, to me, are basically interchangeable. The only difference being Mobley's a better defender, yeah. and Barnes is kind of more of your I'll guard three or four guys across. Whereas Mobley's more like your lockdown the interior guy. Do you know where the odds sit right now? Because Mobley, even as said, Mobley like a month ago, was still number one as the he's, favorite. He's still a favorite, but he's kind of a slim favorite because Barnes's team is better. Yeah, he played six more games, and if you look at their stats, if I took their faces off of it, they're almost identical points, mm. rebounds. I mean, you'd know from the blocks which one's Mobley. Right. But the, both these guys are about fifteen points, close to eight rebounds. The true shooting percentage, the PER, the advanced stats, they're all nearly identical with Barnes having a slight edge. So you can't even really, you can't argue, I mean, rim protection is the only like advanced metric type debate that would swing heavily towards Mobley. Well, mm -hmm. I would ask, what are the on-offs defensively for the Cavs with without Mobley on the court? The problem is half the time he's off, Jared Allen is off because they've been hurt so much that it's like there isn't a big sample of it being like just okay, one, just not, one or the other. Yeah. What you will see is in the second half of the season, the Cavs defense has fallen into the bottom half of the league. And, and that's with Mobley has had some solid games in there, but he missed five games with an ankle injury. It's just, it's hard not to look at what's happened to the Cavs defense and ask yourself, was Jared Allen really the more critical piece here? that allowed Mobley to be able to roam mm -hmm. and do some of those crazy highlight things where when he's forced to stay at home a little bit more and guard the rim, you've got a slightly more muted. You still get the shot blocks, but you don't get the kind of overall switching out, shutting a guy because he's, he just doesn't have the luxury of being able to stray from the rim so much when the guys back there are Kevin Love or, right. or Lowry Markin. Post-All-Star break, the Cavs are 24th defensively. It's brutal. It's and now, this the was Toronto a team Raptors was, are fifth. Mm -hmm. On yeah. the season, the Cavs are still fifth defensively, which is amazing. They were that good the first half of the oh. year, the if first you 66%. Were, from all-star break on, it went horribly wrong. It <laughs> was just, they look like a completely, there's still moments where you're like, they have a lot of offensive pieces. You yeah. get Kevin Love. It's five three-pointers in the first quarter the other night. Mark and it'll have a game where he erupts. But the defense... Yeah. has really regressed to the point where I, I would have said this was an open and shut case at All-Star break, and now I don't think Barnes will knock off Mobley, but I don't think it think would be some did. outrage <laughs> if he did, because statistically and analytically, they're very similar. I think, I think it's really more of an A-B thing where it's like, okay, do you want Cade on counting stats 
and the role that he has to play, or do you want Mobley on his floor is so high? Right. You know, like he may not have the peaks, the seven to nine games in a row of scoring over 25 points and all this stuff that you see Kate Cunningham compiling. But he, when you watch him, you're like, okay, this is a guy who night in and night out is 15 and eight. Right. And they'll give you a couple of blocks and is an impactful two way player. It, yeah. Typically, rookie of the year goes to a guy on a losing team because they're on. They're a high draft pick that goes to a losing team like Cade, and they put up a lot of numbers because of a high usage. But this is a different scenario this year with two guys in Mobley and Scotty Barnes, both being on teams that at least got into the plan. Uh, I I do think I, I would lean towards Barnes just because Mobley's impact wasn't as much, obviously, defensively once Jared Allen went down post-All-Star break than being almost a bottom five defense. If you take those numbers into account, and I know a lot of voters nowadays are really deep into the analytics and looking at the numbers when determining how they vote on these things, whereas 10 years ago, maybe somebody like Barnes wouldn't, Maybe this year he might. I My mean, argument when against Marcus Barnes. won Defensive Player of the Year voting, uh, that that was when people were, they looked at the, the analytics. analytics they looked at his rim Here's my issue with the Barnes situation. I mean, Mobley is a better defender analytically and otherwise in terms of the field goal percentage he holds guys to, the rim protection, the deflections, all that stuff. But the other thing that I think should count for Mobley is with Allen out. He's the linchpin of the whole defense. It's it's sort of the argument that you're making with Cade where you're like, well, his usage is so much more. Yes, his efficiency should be worse. With Mobley, he's the focal point of the defense. With Barnes, he has long, great defenders all over the place around him. I mean, Van Fleet is an elite defender. Gary Trent Jr., very good defender. Siakam, very good defender. OG, very good defender. There's a lot to be said for the guys, like what Barnes is able to do. And it's the same argument I'm making with when Allen's there. When Mobley's allowed to roam a little bit and come over for weak side blocks and not have to worry about, oh, if I leave my man, there's nobody behind me. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Barnes to me. I, I agree. Barnes is in a better situation, obviously. But if they're 24th defensively post-All-Star break, how much of a difference is Mobley making as the linchpin of the defense? Mobley has been out for five games. Mobley had an I, ankle injury that even when he was back. now You could convince me with the on-offs. Like, is their defense just astronomically? They go... F- 30, yeah. 31st. That's where you'd have to go granular and like in the court. games he does play, where are they versus the games he doesn't in the second well, half? Well, I know I what my assignment is now, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that until this award is announced, I just I have can't to be swayed. But I, again, I mean, I came into this kind of trying to say that I wouldn't think it's an outrage if Barnes wins it. I, no. My vote would still be, and my prediction would still be Mobley. But uh, I think when all the voting is said and done, what we're actually going to see is that Kate is the second place guy hmm. because. He's the guy that people will lean to who can make an easy argument that's completely different from what Mobley's is. Hey, Jalen Green has been averaging 25 the last yeah. month and a half. Last month and a half, insane. though. And that's, yeah. the same, that's the same problem is that Don't if it really is buys. a full season award, yeah, because that know. was Cade's whole issue. If Cade was doing what Cade does for the whole season, this wouldn't be a debate. Yeah. It's yeah. just that he started out injured and he started out slow. But, he, but post-All-Star break, He's putting up numbers that are like comparable to what Luca did as a rookie, which is insane to think that he could end up third in a yeah. rookie of the year ballot, depending how, how that all shakes I out. I agree. It's got to be Mobley or Barnes. I just want to show Green some love because he's doing it so efficiently, too, at 50% from the field, 40% from three the last month and a half. It's just the jump that he has made, so to speak. It's unbelievable. That is very impressive. And I do agree that he's 100% uh, first team all rookie because... Once they shut Giddy down, I'm like, okay, yeah. Green Green left him. In in my view, and I think in most people's view, I think it's a shame that 
Herb Jones uh, is not mm-hmm. going to make probably first team all rookie. I think he's he'd probably be my next guy in. I'd probably put him in even over Giddy. But between Wagner, Barnes, Mobley, Cade, Green, that would be my rookie team. Who's Wagner? I think Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Honus Wagner. Let's put him in. Honus Wagner. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I would go with those five. Um, okay. Well. Uh, so so NBA Finals. It's uh, Suns Bucks again. Is what it sounds like, right? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. We've uh, <laughs> we've converged on, right? Yeah. I think uh, we came to the most boring conclusion possible. Oh, yeah. As far as what, what uh, we expect to so, see, so Bucks six again. Same, I'll say same result, or do we think the Suns got him this year, or what? I do think there's something to some to, to what Adam has been saying all season long. The fact that people would say the Suns had an easier road getting to getting through the West with all the injuries, and they had a chip on their shoulder all season long. They're pissed, and even more so going into the NBA Finals, blowing a two nothing lead. So you know, I, I I think just based on the motivation factor, and they are better. I would, I would, I would probably take Phoenix to be honest with you in the finals. So obviously, I would not be surprised if Milwaukee I won. Think, uh, but if I had to pick, I would pick uh, the the Suns. I'm with you. I mean, obviously, health could change all that. But Absolutely, I, I think they're Especially a year better. Chris Paul. I yeah. think that Johnson is has emerged more this year. I think they're deeper in the front court. Absolutely. And you know, if Paul the comes McGee's in healthy, signing was great. McGee for is them. huge for them yeah. as a, as a big off the bench. going up against Giannis if they find themselves in the finals quality size is that's huge for them i mean they found guys all over even that run where they had to roll biombo out there yeah and jalen right. smith you're like what is biombo what is on the, this rich this riches of center yeah biombo was on the street somewhere you know he was still around yeah. and it was, it was productive for them i yeah i would pick Suns. um and and you know as much as i do think the bucks are going to make it there is a part of me that's like well i kind of i wouldn't be upset if uh if the Celtics just steamrolled their way through to the finals uh, over the over the Nets, as long as it comes with a demolition of the Nets, I can let go of my past hatred of the Celtics. That you know, seeing Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce constantly talking about them forever for the yeah. rest of time has has caused me to have. I also yep. wouldn't sleep on Miami, by the way, too, because uh, they 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 are yeah. very gritty defensively too and can grind you out and. All they need is for Jimmy to go off, Lowry to go off for a night. Bam is really good on the inside. Jimmy was so bad in that series against the Bucks last year. Nobody talks about it. He yeah. shot like 25%. I don't expect that I to can't happen again. I can't see him doing, being that bad again. So it would not surprise me if the Heat made another run. Well, see, my whole thing when I think of the Heat is I always envision that scenario where they have to take on like a Giannis. And I'm like, well, if there's one guy I think can just wreck their entire team defense, it would be a player of that caliber. No. Um, but, you know, I will say Bam's unbelievable. Uh, Jimmy can be unbelievable. There's mm-hmm. times where I feel like he's gone quiet a lot during this season. True. And that's kind of what can, concerns me. But Hero's gotten a lot more he's gotten productive a lot better. this year. Yeah, After that more consistent in yeah. his second season this year. He was caught I mean, up doing music videos and dating Instagram models. He wasn't focused on the game is what yeah. people say. I'm probably just uh, disrespecting the Heat. Here. Well, you have. Oh, a lot year. of people have like all season. season yeah. moves. A lot of yeah. people have all season. I'm yeah, just... we have to go back to our preseason uh, FNA show and find out what sort of dumb shit <laughs> I predicted on there. Uh, and you guys as well. Huh? I'm not here yeah. for that. I remember we were uh, a lot higher on the Lakers than uh, we probably yeah, should have well, been. But, but we were, we were I, burned, I know we were skeptical, though, because we Vegas, we Vegas had we them as the favorite. Right. We, we might not have thought that nobody thought this would happen, I don't think. No. Uh, but we certainly didn't think that they were going to finish as the one seed. Yeah. We brought up like the issues that could arise with Westbrook in the playoffs. Right. They Assuming are in they the playoffs now. Yeah. yeah. That's wild to me. That whole... To, to think we are where we are. By the way, I, I, I already had to yank the, uh, you know, my Lakers victory lap 
promo that I, uh, I made. My man, why? Yeah. <laughs> I guess somebody called LeBron a communist. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wasn't me. It was a caller. In my view, Lee the Colley. caller can say whatever yeah. the caller wants. Right. That's not speaking for the station. Exactly. So if the caller says something just completely crass and tasteless. Oh man, you want to hide behind that caller? I, I know said, what you're doing. Well, what do you want me to do, Don? That's our <laughs> listeners. It's like, I can't help it. Especially <laughs> you of all people that put something negative about LeBron in a promo. I mean, come on. What the hell? I know. I know. I'm trying about? to be fair and balanced here uh, and, you know, reflect how the people feel. So if the yeah. people are angry, the people's voices should be heard. I agree. Or you just don't ever uh, do another or, podcast and then nobody can <laughs> respond. If they're not heard. Well, that's straight communism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I'll silence it, Chairman Mao. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, taking so much time to uh, break down the playoffs and uh, all the awards and whatnot. And hopefully yeah. uh, now, if things go poorly tomorrow night and the Cavs find themselves out of the playoffs, it's just going to be broken jumpers from here on out. Perfect. So uh, we'll do more of that. But thank you, uh, as always, Kevin Figures, Adam Oslin from the FNA podcast. This is Broken Jumper. Uh, rate, subscribe, all that stuff. That's it. No more Broken Jumper. No. No. Download past episodes you missed and like and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Go to the iHeartRadio app. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Broken Jumper. And tune in weekly for more NBA coverage.